You are listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 119, featuring special guest Gabriella Marzetta of the National Tour of Waitress. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? This is Maggie Barra, and welcome to another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com slash podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic or join our Facebook group, the Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Did you know that Actor Aesthetic has its very own online shop? Hundreds, yes, I said hundreds, of actors worldwide are finding massive success using our resume templates, audition journal spreadsheets, cover letter samples, and hundreds of audition song suggestions categorized by voice type and genre. You can even grab a copy of my ebook, Marketing 101 for Actors, an actor's guide to successful branding. To learn more, go to actoraesthetic.com shop. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining me again this week for another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. This week's episode features a chat with Gabriella Marzetta. She is an actor, singer, dancer, educator, and musician who spent 2019 and the beginning of 2020 on the North American National Tour of Waitress as Dawn. Currently quarantining in Chicago for the year, Gabriella spent the last seven years in New York City attending the prestigious CAP 21 Conservatory Program and Industry Practicum Showcase. Off-Broadway, she appeared in Pinkalicious, Flight School, and Frankenstein in her years following graduation, and most notably playing Ars Nova in Off-Broadway musical Contact High. In this episode, Gabriella chats with me about college auditions, transferring from Webster to Cap 21, training in New York City, waitress, auditions, the power of putting yourself out there and making connections, and of course, manifesting your dreams. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Gabriella, thank you so much for joining me today. I read that you grew up just a couple of minutes outside of, of Chicago. Yes, about 45 minutes or so? Yes, yeah. Um, and that's actually where I am right now. I'm okay. vacationing at my mom's house for the past three days just because, you know, these are vacations nowadays, leaving <laughs> yes, the city, going to the suburbs for our family. Yeah. So I grew up um, in St. Charles and Geneva, which are basically like the same town, 45 minutes um, in the western suburbs of Chicago. Mm. Yeah. And I spent my childhood here. It is very flat. It is very Midwest. There's a lot of cornfields. But um, <laughs> so I got the best of both worlds on the weekends. I was at my grandma's playing naked in the dirt in the cornfields. And then, you know, I got to like go to Chicago and see some shows sometimes. So I'm super thankful. I got like the best of both worlds of mm -hmm. having a childhood, like immersed in nature, and then also having access to the city and shows there and the art and culture it has to offer. Um, so yeah, I am from a humble little suburb outside of Chicago. Very So sweet. sweet. So how did you get involved in theater out there? So, um, I was very, very shy and 
I actually got my start um, not in just theater. Like I would write my own scripts and, you know, like oh. those big clunky cameras. Yeah. That our parents mm-hmm. used to have and record everything we did before iPhones. So I would use like my family's old, huge clunky clunk video recorder. And mm-hmm. I was obsessed with Barbies. I played Barbies. I can't believe I'm admitting this. I have played, I played Barbies till I was 12 years old. I could not let go. It's a little embarrassing. I couldn't let go. I, I still love them. I love them so much. And now they're getting more inclusive and it's awesome. I'm not about we love to play it. Barbies. Yes. We love, we love Barbie sometimes, but, um, I was like, uh, I had so many. And so with this camera, I would record um, these scripts and I came up with this show called Average, which was basically like a spinoff of the show Unfabulous starring Emma Roberts from Nickelodeon. (laughs) Starring the Mary, literally. And it was starring the Mary Kate Olsen Barbie doll from the New York Minute movies. So like it was a star-studded cast. It was fabulous. And I was the voice for everyone. There was Uh a theme song. The theme song of the show was the song Bitch, like I'm a bitch, I'm a lover. But I was like eight years old. Like who gave me the right to do that? So like that's, I was doing that for years and would just isolate myself in my basement. Like I, you know, had like friends still. It wasn't like I was totally isolated, but I'm still Mm -hmm. the same way. Like I feel like I'm an extroverted introvert. So Mm -hmm. moments like that, really getting into creativity and like losing yourself in that world. I mean, that's why we're here right now because Mm -hmm. that joy and wonder started when we were little playing with toys and stuff. And like, and so that's how I got my start um, of being interested in performing and like, I, yeah, I guess, cause I did everything. I, I shot, directed, wrote the script, was in it. it So I did it all. I was a, a woman of, she of all She did trade. it all. So if you, okay, so you grew up in like in the Chicago area, you knew you wanted to do something that had to do with theater because yeah. when you start that young, you know, you know that oh, yeah. some, you want to go in some sort of path of performing. So did you know that you could, per- did you always know that you could pursue this as at least in the collegiate setting? Did you know anything no. about that? Yeah. Well, I would say like, um, when I got to high school is yeah. really when I was like, okay, yeah, I'm doing this, but it was only because people validated me. Right. And like, and I was able to be in more shows, yeah. um, and how I got my start with even knowing I could sing or do anything. I'd been singing since like, I was so young, but it was more just like, oh, Gabriella can sing like, yay. So fun. It's not like, you know, I had stage parents trying to like get me into different things, which of yeah. course would be fun, but like, I'm thankful for how everything worked out. But I actually got, um, I bit the bullet because my dad, back to Barbies, said that if I auditioned for the school talent show with a song, he would buy me the Daphne Barbie doll from Scooby-Doo, the live action he movie. He bribed you. <laughs> he bribed me and you know I said yes. And you know yeah, I auditioned. And I sang Independence Day by Martina McBride, <laughs> but incredibly inappropriate for a nine-year-old to bring in her talent show. And I never spoke either. So like I got up there and it was like some of the teachers from the elementary school. So they all knew me, but I was so shy. And so I guess I like opened my mouth and, and they were just like shocked. And I remember the third grade teacher, she was walking to me my, to my mom's car afterwards. And she was like, well, for a little shy girl, you got a big, beautiful voice. And that, it, that and the Barbie doll, like that is what I still think of about like how I got here. Like that's what pushed me. It was just like someone believed in me and someone noticed that I have this special little thing. And that is so important, especially with kids. So I think that gave me permission to start to dream. 
And then I saw Wicked the next year when it was in oh, Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was the first show I've like ever like seen that I can remember. Like I saw Lion King, you know, and in yeah. like tours when I was really little, but nothing I remembered. Um, and I saw Wicked and I didn't really know anything about Broadway or anything. And it just rocked my world. And did you have an experience like that with Wicked too? Because I feel like our age I, group, we all have that. Yes and no. I saw, I, I've seen Wicked a couple of times, but it was not one of the first shows that I saw that I, oh. that like really made it for me. For me, it was, uh, they were doing a revival of Les Mis and I was like, oh, here for it. It was yes. in 2006, maybe. I, I mean, I had, again, I had seen shows prior. I had seen shows you know, before that, but I didn't really remember them. And it wasn't until I guess I was in sixth or seventh grade and I saw um, Les Mis on Broadway for a school trip because, oh you know, for me, I grew up 45 minutes outside of New York City. So it was the oh. same same thing. And I was yeah, like, what sure. is this? And I got so involved. I was, I was all over the show on YouTube. I was all yeah. over the bootlegs. Little old me. I was like, what is this? I need we more literally, of this. Yes, we had mm-hmm. the same trajectory, just lame is and wicked. Because girls, yeah. same school trip drama club school trip this is crazy and then it's all I did that whole summer because it was like in June when we saw it and then all I did that summer was bootlegs of Megan Hilty bootlegs of Kristen Chenoweth like <laughs> memorize the scene from popular the next talent show that next year I did popular from Wicked oh. the whole scene and I painted my friend green in like my public high school so everyone was like what is happening like what what is she doing but so I like really like it's so important like those touring shows and also like having access to theater because mm-hmm. we, we were the same age when we when we went through that and I feel like so many that's when it starts for so many other people and it's so important to not only give kids permission to like be obsessed with this kind of thing but like I don't know like not shame it or anything because I feel like now people are so about like shaming musical theater and like I'm too cool for it but it's like we have to remember how we got here like I will never be ashamed to say that like Wicked is my low-key all-time favorite show. I found like owning um, owning this love and passion for theater um, was so important for me at a young age mm. um, because it was like I was in public school until high school. And so, you know, like people are really mean and like judgy about like, and granted I was probably incredibly obnoxious because I was <laughs> the wicked girl at my school. And like w- was reading Gregory Maguire's Wicked the whole year and like didn't even make a dent because I was 12. <laughs> Just like I was the wicked girl. So of course I was probably obnoxious, but like that passion is is what got me to here. And I wouldn't be here if those teachers, those, you know, with that one teacher and then yeah. other teachers who had just gave me little compliments along the way, just like validating that I, not that I can even just do this, but that my voice is beautiful and worth hearing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, I feel like that's all I, that was a great catalyst for me and kind of what I stand for now that like, all you need is one person to believe in you to, you know, to really let yourself achieve your dreams like that. Um, so yeah, I would say definitely fifth through seventh grade was the time that like showed me what theater is. And I was bit by the bug because you loved theater so much. What was the next step? Did you know you wanted to go to college for this or was it something you were thinking about? What was your process? Yeah. So actually right when I got to high school, I had my first two years in high school were at public high school. And um, right away, like right my freshman year, I was obsessed with like Star Kid, you know, Very Potter musical oh, and like yeah. that group of people. They're incredible. I'm still obsessed to this day. 
Like I love them so much. What hmm. they do, I think is just so important, like for everyone to try to do, create your own content. And they're still at it. They have incredible stuff lately. Um, but I remember I was like obsessed with that. So I was, I found University of Michigan, right? And then I was like, oh, I can go to school for this because half of the cast went there. And then of course the first school I found, I was like, I want to go here is like the hardest, <laughs> most prestigious one to get into. So I was like, yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Like, so I just remember obsessively researching college programs the entirety of my two years at that public high school because I was miserable and and I honestly don't remember why other than like, it was just such a big school. I, I just, I wanted, I wanted something bigger. And so, um, I like did all this, the shows and stuff at my school. I was like the kid, like who everyone was like, no, she loves theater. Like I was doing like three shows at a time, like in community theater as well. So like, it was like known that I like, you know, love theater and all that. And so I, my, one of my good friends actually went to a performing arts high school, Chicago Academy for the Arts, which I ended up transferring to and finishing out there. And um, yeah, I discovered it and I was like, this is it. I have to go here. And I spent the whole year convincing my parents to let me go, saving up money for the tuition. Like, and I got in and it was wow. awesome. And yeah, it's, it's like, I'm so thankful for that school and that, in that experience. Um, Cause I truly believe anyone can get a great education no matter where you go, it depends what you do with the information you're given. So yep. I got so many good things from public school, but when I got to this private school, they really well prepared me for what life would be like after high school mm -hmm. in BFA programs, like the, the transparency that like, it doesn't work out all the time when you go to a program and like, it's okay to leave and all of that stuff. So I would say when I got to the, my private high school, my junior year is really when I was like, okay, great. I'm here. And like, I don't, it's not like I wanted to have another option. I was like, I'm doing this. Yeah. But my senior year, I did um, spiral and midway through me applying for like all these schools, I applied to like 12. I like went up to my teacher and I was like, okay, so I decided because um, I probably won't get into any of these schools. I'm going to apply to Northern Colorado University for preschool teaching. And he was wow. like, he was like, no, you're not. And so I did it because he was like, no. <laughs> like, no, you're not. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, all right. And thankfully I ended up, you know, getting into a couple programs, but yeah. Um, yeah, just that I, I had one little sliver of doubt and then luckily I had someone to talk me off the yeah. ledge and to validate, you know, that it's going to work out. Um, so yeah, after high school, I, well, I did unified, yeah. did that whole game. It was insane, but it honestly, I still, I'm so thankful for that experience for more than half of the audition tools I have now, because it was crazy as you know, like college auditions. Mm -hmm. And I got into a couple great programs, um, including cap 21, which I didn't end up going to right away. Yeah. I went to Webster university first, um, their theater conserva conservatory. It's a fantastic program. I stand them forever. You know, they're affiliated with the Muni. I had an amazing mm -hmm. time there, spent three months there. I woke up one morning and literally out of nowhere, I was like, I have to move to New York. And like, oh. that was it. It was like, I was very impulsive back then. I'm not as, I maybe still <laughs> am a little bit, but I like, there was no, I just woke up and I hadn't even thought about it before. And I was like, I have to go to New York because I want to be where the people are. Yeah. Literally. I was like, and so I, like my best friend and I, we went to like the city for the day and like had like a last awesome day in St. Louis and then like three weeks later, it was Christmas break and I just, I didn't go back. And it was wow. like, I'm still fantastic friends with all my class and everyone there. And like, I still have that connection, which is great, but, um, it wasn't, 
And it's not that it wasn't even the right fit for me because the program was fantastic. If that program was in New York, oh my God, would I be the happiest clam ever? Exactly. But Mm -hmm. that's just what I I needed in that moment. And my parents thought I was absolutely insane, which I was, (laughs) because imagine you finally send your kid off to school and they're like, like New York. My dad was like, Oh my God. And so I really had to work and prove myself. And luckily at cap 21, my application status was still, um, valid and, um, which was great. Yeah. So I didn't have to like re-audition. I just had to send in another essay for a scholarship and get like, like two letters of recommendation. And so I was pretty much set up going to cap, like right after Webster. So I took that whole year off and just was living here in Chicago, um, working, and I moved to New York fall of 2014 and I went wow. to Cap 21 and I'm so happy I made the switch. Like I said, not because Webster is not a great program. I could not recommend it more, but being in the city was exactly what I needed. And I'm sure you can agree. Like I can't imagine oh, yeah. growing up outside of it. You touched on so many things that I really hope people take away from this episode, which is number one, college auditions are insane. They're just insane. They're like a whole different beast and they really (laughs) take a lot out of you. So much so that, I mean, you even mentioned, you were like, I had one sliver of doubt and I said, you know what? I'm not going to get into any of these programs. I'm just going to do something else. When you do think about it, the odds are so slim. Those auditions really are their own beast and they shouldn't make or break your decision to want to continue pursuing this. So there's that. Exactly. I could not agree more. And there's so many conversations I've had with, um, waitress fans or my students where these people aren't getting into these BFA programs, but their talent is unmatched. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> that does not, BFA programs, they're fantastic, but that is not the end all be all, honey. Half the people mm-hmm. you love on Broadway didn't get into any programs and mm-hmm. here they are now. It does not matter. Some people didn't even that. go to school at all. And like, exactly. that's okay too. But also you mentioned yeah. that one day you woke up at your program at Webster and you decided I need to be in New York city. And That is a very valid thought. And if you do wake up, this is something that is not talked about enough, which is wanting to transfer and you needed to be in New York City. You just needed to. Yeah, it's just about knowing yourself and being comfy with, um, honestly, just knowing yourself because I I knew myself when I knew I needed to go to New York. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't know, know myself, but it was the beginning of that. And that was the first step in my journey of like living my authentic truth. That's yes. Well said. And that was something that even I dealt with. I went to school at Texas state university. I am oh. from New Jersey. So going to Texas was a big change for me. You know, it's different for everyone. So that is something important to think about. That just wasn't something that really probably even crossed your mind when you were even applying for colleges exactly. until you got there, you know? Yeah, not at all, because I had been to New York maybe once, twice before, Mm -hmm. like just that year. But there was something in me where it's like, I want to be in the right rooms. I want to meet the right people. And it's not like they weren't here. But in my head, I was like, okay, I already made connections with everyone I could here. Great. (laughs) I'm going to go to New York. And I still am connected with all those people and the teachers to this day. And yeah, like I, there should be no regrets when it comes to transferring, deciding if you want to pursue this um, in college or not, because yeah, there are just so many made up rules that we all like follow when Mm -hmm. all you have to do is just be authentic, be a good person and go to class. 
but it doesn't have to be a university, like whatever yeah. class that is. So yeah. you went to CAP 21. You ended up going yeah. to, to New York City to pursue your degree there. How do you feel as though your training there then prepared you for now a career in the theater industry? Oh my goodness. So I just want to say, first of all, I am so glad I had another college experience before going to CAP because most people who yeah. go there, like Bailey, you know, who's, um, yeah, right, Bailey Jenna, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, she was the class above me. So we knew each other there and she went to university before that. So she had her degree. And that was the case with a lot of people, um, mm. at the school. So it was a great, there was a lot, there was a big array of ages and I don't want to say maturity levels, but I guess maturity level yeah. levels, like putting age aside. Um, and it is, I mean, CAP 21 is truly boot camp. And now it's with, so me and Bailey went there. It was at NYU till 2012. They branched off because you know, NYU was taking their money, blah, blah, blah. And so in the transitional years of them trying to find another university to be affiliated with, they were an independent two-year program. Um, <clears throat> and so essentially I got like my equivalent of like an associate's degree. I got to have a college degree, which also I guess doesn't matter because I still was successful. And that was the thing <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to book work. No one checks to see if you have a degree <laughs> no at all. your degree at all. Exactly. I was a priest. <laughs> school teacher in New York. And I'm like, y'all, I'm not qualified for this. I have zero degrees. I just <laughs> like, it's insane. I'm thankful for it though. But um, yes, yeah, so I went to CAP 21 and the program was exactly the same as it was at NYU and is still the same to this day because now it's with Malloy College. Mm-hmm. But Bailey and I were in the perfect transitional time. I think it was like four or five years where it was just independent con- conservatory. And so we were there six out of seven days um, from nine, 10, usually 9am. Cause we usually had to get there early to rehearse something or rehearse mm-hmm. a dance 9am to 10pm. Cause that's when the studio was closed. Like it was truly boot camp. They prefaced it with that. They were like, look, this is going to be fast paced. It's only two, two and a half years. If you choose to do the showcase program, some people like had to work during it. And so like, they were just so exhausted. I'm so incredibly thankful that um, I had the support of my family then. And it rocked my world. CAP 21. And it was the best thing I could have possibly done. Hmm. And I was worried about it when I transferred from Webster because the first day, it, it was just a completely different program. And Webster is very like grounded in spiritual. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very like acting based program and like getting in your psyche until junior year. And then CAP 21 was just musical theater, like, blah, 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 like, which was, you know, like my dream, but I just kind of gotten back from like this more grounded, like acty program. And I'm so thankful I had that because then I was really able to appreciate this musical theater world because like I'm a musical theater girl. I'm like that. I learned mm-hmm. that was everyone's first impression of me. I guess I looked, looked super cold. I was like in a blue leotard during dance evaluations. And I like had this, like, I, I guess I looked like so in, like an intimidating musical theater girl, which I feel like I'm actually not, but like I was in the right place. And so uh-huh. I had the time of my life there, cried so much in the best ways possible, made some incredible friends. And I think the fast pace of that program is really what set, well, what I, I feel like set me up for success going into the real world because there were no excuses. If you didn't have something memorized, that sucks. And you, there's no excuse. And there are excuses, but no one wants to hear them. And so luckily I learned, you know, when I was really, you know, um, trying to keep up memorizing monologues the morning of, I, I can't, like, that is not a skill I have that I bring into auditions. And like, like, there's so many things I learned from that program, having it be so fast paced where it's like, I feel like now I'm processing everything I learned. And when did I even graduate? Oh my God, five years ago. That's insane. Wow. Five years ago. And I, and I'm still like uncovering these little 
beautiful truths and gems that were given to me by this program. Um, and I also, you know, got to know Bailey through that too. And yeah. her class was awesome. So I could not recommend CAP more, um, but not to be a fake program. Uh, oh. So people are getting their degrees now, but I could not be more thankful for the connections I made in that program and the opportunities I had. Speaking of Bailey, we'll talk about Waitress in a second, but what was your transition like from college to the quote unquote real world? Because you are already in New York City. So this is going to be unique to you. Oh, yeah. And here this I think actually this is the number one reason why I'm so, so, so thankful I made the move because I don't think I would have had the opportunities in networking or literally any of the skills that helped me get anything unless I went to that school because my first Mm. audition out of school, like it was like we were doing a mock audition for like our last week of school with Michael Casera. And then I ended up flying home that next week because I was like, okay, summer break. And then I got my first like official like audition ever for, um, it was when Spamilton didn't even have a name. It yeah. Was the mm-hmm. un- untitled, whatever, broad, forbidden Broadway. Yeah. So like, <laughs> it was crazy. And I, and it's because I did a Timmy Turner impression for him. I mean, that, that is a perfect example of like what cap 21 did is they put you outside of your comfort zone because they know that you can do these things. Michael gave me such a gift. Not only did he give me my first professional audition and I ended up making it to final callbacks. I'm not trying to brag or anything, but like I I was 19, 20. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I hadn't done any of that stuff before. And so pushing outside my comfort zone like that, it, it gave me a gift. Yeah. I I'm just so thankful for, and I didn't get it obviously, which is so fine, but now I can do these like Broadway diva impressions. And I probably would have never learned them before unless I had to learn them in two, two days for this audition. Hmm. Um, so that is what really helped me start out. Like after school, I had that connection with Michael and him and I are still like pretty good friends to this day. Um, he was like my first connection I made. And then um, I did the showcase program after yeah. that. So after summer, we there's a showcase program that you can optionally do after graduation. Um, and so I did that through that. I mean, I think that is actually one of the biggest things that benefited me in auditioning because with showcase programs, you're working with casting directors who are in mm-hmm. the city, um, agents, like you're making connections with all these people and they remember you, they write down things about you. And I was called in for things throughout like the whole rest of the year, just from doing these like little master classes at my school. Um, and those are available, of course, through Actors Connection and like the growing yeah. studio and a bunch of other places. But that is absolutely what helped me get in the room ever at first. Because if I was in St. Louis, you know, trying to do this and then submitting <laughs> for things, like they wouldn't know. What it's I, tough. Like, it's so tough. Yeah. And then yeah. my friends who, who moved to New York after Webster, they are some of the most talented people I've ever known. And like, it it was so hard for them to get noticed and get work. And it's really about who, you know, and the connections like that is, and we hear that we heard that all the time growing up, but I finally get it. And Mm -hmm. it was, yeah, from doing those master classes, um, and putting, putting myself out there, I guess. Um, so yeah, I just, I went on every audition I was called in for, um, sometimes anxiety got the worst or best yeah. of me and I skipped them, which, you know, it's never good, but we all go through that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then I ended up booking, um, 
I worked a lot of non-union um, before this, like non-union off-Broadway. Yeah. Um, so I, I started actually right after I did the showcase program, Holly Busick called me in for Pinkalicious and flight school. Yeah. And so I ended up booking that and I had to learn the show in two days and I was like the lead part. So that oh also kept 21, saved my life. I, I cannot <laughs> believe I did that. Yeah, so I ended up doing the kids shows at Vital Theater Company um, off Broadway for a couple years because um, it was just a nice job to have while also auditioning. I was super thankful. Um, and then I ended up, um, yeah, just, you know, doing cabarets around the city, 54 Below, making connections like that. Um, I did an original uh, musical with my friends that um, got, we we remounted it, I guess, two summers ago off Broadway at Ars Nova. So it was a lot of like, connection, working with people, collaborating. Um, and then I booked Hair with Pentangle Arts, which is in Woodstock, Vermont for their um, 50th anniversary. So that was like amazing. That's actually the only, well, that's like, yeah, pretty much the only like regional job I've ever worked. Otherwise I've been in the city or it's here in Chicago. Tell me about your audition process for Waitress. Oh my God. It's <laughs> kind of crazy. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. And I'm going to preface this by saying, um, <laughs> we got to play the game. And I know we all know this, but it's literally a game. So this is what happened. Don, it was my dream role. Waitress, you know, we, we all love Waitress. I love, love, love Waitress. I saw the movie in like 2007 and it's still been one of my favorite movies. I was like 12 when I saw it and it stuck with me. And then when I saw Sarah was, you know, writing the music and, uh. and it was like, oh my God, world stopped. And that moment I was like, I'm going to be in it. I'm going to be in it. I just like started manifesting it the second I saw it, not actually thinking something was going to happen. Um, <clears throat> so I like, you know, was obsessed, like saw the show in 2016. I went to a couple of the open calls and I only got seen at one and I was the last one. I was the last no way. one. Say, I know. And so of course they were like, and it's funny because it was like my tour music director and the tour director who were doing the auditions then. So I, I didn't bring it up with them after, but I wanted to be like, yeah, I auditioned for you like a year before <laughs> and you guys were like so tired and didn't listen, which is totally okay. <laughs> but I had that. And so I got to audition a couple times, but um, I found out Bailey got Jenna um, because I couldn't even get an appointment to go in for the show. It was, I'm sure you remember, so cutthroat. Like it was really just through agent appointment. There was no open call. I don't, I didn't have an agent at the time. Um, so I was just submitting on Actors Access, sending emails, didn't hear anything, was doing my show at Ars Nova. I didn't, I was like, okay, you know what? If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I'm going to release mm -hmm. it. And then I heard Bailey, because, you know, she's my friend, um, <clears throat> that she got Jenna in my, in my heart, I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. But then there's something in me where it's like, I, I feel like I, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but it was like something in my head was like, this is going to come back around. But oh. I had no proof of that. Cause that was in June. And then in August, um, I was on actors access. It was like 2 PM. And I saw that Dawn was re the role of Dawn was re-released. I had thought that they cast the whole show already. I guess uh -huh. they hadn't, but I now know and I'm I'm friends with the girl who was Dawn before. She dropped out because she like booked an awesome movie. But I saw that on Actors Access. And in that moment, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do everything I possibly can do as an actor to have them read this email. And I Googled how to get casting directors to open your email. And just like to see if there are any other options I didn't know. And I saw if you attach things to the email, it usually goes to their spam. Right. And I had no idea. And okay. I was like, you know, this is why I send 5,000 emails like a week and I never get anything back. And so I sent 10 different emails that also the same thing. 
One had nothing attached in it. One had links for my website of my resume and my headshot. So they were just like HTML. One was a Google doc link, but I never attached, attached them. I think I did for one just to see if it would go through. So I literally sent 10 because I was like, I was like, what do I have to lose? And in the email, I've never owned myself this much. I'm not, I'm not a person to like own my talent, I guess, or be like, I'm so great. You should cast me. But like, I was like, I, I have to say something like that lets them know how, how serious this is for me. So I luckily, I did um, a cabaret at the West End and I sang when he sees me a year before. Yeah. And so I, I, and that's why it's also so important for young actors to get their material on camera because that is literally what got me the audition. They saw that I had that clip in there. They watched it. And then the next day I had an appointment. Okay. So the video's on your website. I watched it. It's stunning. And it's, it's from- It's Ian Connor. It's Tabletop Broadway, Tabletop right? Broadway. And yes. it's from Summerstuck or like from the shows I have. Yes, in- Summerstuck. What's so funny is that you performed that song as, you know, probably shortly after you tried to go into auditions for it uh, when it, you know, was on Broadway and all that stuff. Yeah. How funny is that? Then a year comes around and you're able to send that material in and get an appointment for something that you've been manifesting for so long. Wow. Exactly. And you know what? I didn't even put that all together until you just, that is manifestation. Like, and I'm a firm, like the firmest believer in that, because I think without realizing that, without realizing it, that's how I got to where I am, where it's like, yes, there are vampires in your head telling you what you can and can't do. But ultimately, if you knock them out and you yes and your truth. And my truth was no matter what, I'm going to get them to read this email because I know I'm worth at least seeing for five minutes. And, and it was like, um, asking for forgiveness and not permission for sending all those emails. Cause old Gabby, people pleaser Gabby would be like, Oh my God, they're gonna be so annoyed with me. I'm so annoying. Like, but who cares? Who cares? Because like, at least they saw me. And so I'm so thankful for that. And yeah, it's so important to get material um, on film like that because I wasn't planning on having that to send in anywhere. I just, it was my favorite song to sing and it ended up giving, (laughs) getting me the job. Um, And so, yeah, I like got an appointment. Um, I, I prepared more than I ever had prepared anything. I'm a firm, firm believer in no matter what you should try to get completely off book, at least for the end of the scene too, because that's where the magic happens. So I got completely off book. I worked with my coach and it felt so good to like finally be in like the room for like, cause you know, I was usually doing like original works or like yeah. newer shows. I, I had never really went to Broadway auditions. Um, mostly cause I was scared. Like mm. open calls are not my thing. They are not my thing. And they probably will never be. Maybe and they will. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's just different strokes for different folks. I, I wish I was an open call person. Maybe I will be, but, um, I ended up going in, <clears throat> I think two or three times that week. And so I went in on a Monday and I think I went back Wednesday and Friday. Um, and they just kept having me do the material. And mind you, my hair was blue at the time. Like I looked like a punk because I was doing a show where I was playing a heroin addict. I didn't look like, like I didn't look like Dawn at all. My hair was bright electric blue. And I, for some reason, decided that the quirkiest, best thing I could do for dressing for the audition was wearing like my normal, just like jeans. And then I got that. I had this shirt that was like a soap brand, um, like a dishwashing soap brand. I was like, great. Don would wear that. And like, maybe I wouldn't do that now. It's still like, it obviously didn't like deter anything, but, um, it was funny 
this is also manifestation because I was in a um, seminar at Actors Connection yeah. trying to get an agent before like I even knew I had this audition. And she was like, what are some of your goals for this next year? And I was like, well, I would love to be in either Waitress or Hades Town if that tour goes up. I'm really trying to get um, in the room with Duncan Stewart and Stuart Whitley because they're casting all the shows I really like. And um, Stuart Whitley cast the non-union tour, but um, it was a woman named Christine, I think, that cast the original. And then she ended up leaving um, she ended up leaving the casting agency, um, in August, I believe. And so when Dawn was re-released, they didn't have a casting, the, oh. the casting director there. So Duncan Stewart is the one who cast me. And the fact that I said, I want to be in the room with Duncan Stewart, like out loud and like owned that to someone, I wasn't even expecting it. Like I was expecting wow. to go in the room and see like their new assistant who I'd been emailing with. And it was Duncan. And like, wow. I'm glad I didn't know because I would have been like, <laughs> not, like, I guess like a little starstruck because I think he's a great person too. And like really admire the work they do. Um, but it was just so much fun. I just had the best time. And it was because I was singing material. I knew so well because I practiced the crap out of it. I, I prepared for, if I forgot anything, it was in my muscle, my muscle memory. And I mostly was like, you know what, have fun because what is ever meant for me is going to be meant for me. And and I'm just going to have the time of my life. So that's what I ended up doing the whole week. Um, and I made it to the finals. It was me and four other girls. And I was the first one. And then the last one, hmm. like they, they wanted to see me twice. And it sucked because the only um, open studio they had at Pearl that day was the one right across from the audition room. And so they, I did it like the material finally for the, for the last time in front of like Barry Weisler and the producers and like, and like a, a video camera that Sarah Bareilles, you know, was like watching through, like it's just, everyone was there. Um, and so like I did my thing and then they were like, okay, actually, um, can you prepare like this lower key and then this higher key? Because like with the show, like we totally have the liberty to change any key. Um, and I was like, okay. So I like went, I found, you know, the only studio that was available that was across the hall. And for two hours, I was just obnoxiously playing when he sees me, like they could obviously hear me, but I was like, oh, like, I don't want to be a jerk and be like the, the girl who's auditioning, who's right across the hall, like practicing the, the yeah. material that you're about to hear. But, um, it was also bad for me because I was hearing all the other girls going for Dawn. Cause you know, you can hear everything in, in those studios. And so in my head, I was like, I'm not going to get it. It's fine. I'm just going to have fun. And I honestly mm. think letting go of it in that moment is what sealed the deal because I was just able to relax, be myself, laugh, have a good time with them in the room. And um, I ended up going really well. And I stayed behind for a second because I wanted to see if I could catch Duncan before they all go. And I caught him because I just wanted to show him gratitude. And I was like, I just wanted to say, thank you so much for calling me in. This has been my dream come true. I've been wanting to be, be seen for the show for the past four or five years and you made my dream come true. Thank you so much. And he was like really touched by that. We had a nice little moment. And so I was like, I didn't get it. Woo like I, but I, what a great experience. <laughs> and then I was on my way home from preschool that, um, that Monday. And I had left, I was leaving to go to my nanny job because the hustle, right. And I had the 5 hustle. million jobs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I get a text message and it says, maybe Duncan Stewart. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no way <laughs> and he was like hey Gabriella it's Duncan Stewart give me a call when you can and um, in my head just like because I'm just preparing for the worst all the time I guess I was like he's gonna tell me he really liked me but I didn't get it that's so nice and so I called him back and I was walking to um to Grand Central Station so it was a true New York moment <laughs> actually thinking about it and it was and it was like a gross kind of fall day and 
get on the phone with him and he's like, Gabriella, I just wanted to call and say like, thank you so much for coming in. Like, we really liked your work. And he paused and I was like, uh. he was like, you're the next Dawn. Oh, wow. And I just like stopped and I was like, Duncan, I'm walking out of my preschool job right now that I am 0% qualified for. I'm literally peeing my pants. Like this uh. is a dream come true. me like laughed because I was like, <laughs> I was like kind of freaking out. I was like, like, well, you know, like what anyone would imagine yeah. in that moment, I just didn't think it was going to happen. Right. And I just remember I couldn't get a hold of anyone, like none of my family or friends after. So I truly was left to just like live in that bliss of like, girl, you did this. Like you did this, my resilience and my, my passion. And that I never gave up, which is so important for everyone. Like I could have given up so many times. And the fact that I didn't like, look what happened. And I'm just so incredibly thankful. I took all of those chances and asked for forgiveness and not permission and totally inserted myself in that casting process because it worked out incredibly well. And I learned so much about how to portray ourselves in auditions. Even after that, I haven't really been on auditions, you know, since then, but I feel like that really showed me that being your authentic, genuine self is what they always want to see in the room. Cause that that's, I feel like that's maybe what established that connection between us. Cause I established, Hey, I'm a person. I am having so much fun right now. And mm. it was like, the stakes weren't, they were high, but not as high. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that story. And then I was whisked away two two weeks later to rehearsals, left a month <laughs> later, left New York on fire behind you. That is a testament to your hard work. That's a testament to, to owning who you are and what you have to offer to the theater industry, because that is something in its own world um, is totally. is just owning what you have to offer. And I love that you just went out and 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 didn't wait for this job to happen. You yeah. you got that job. No one else got that job for you. You did. Yes. I've and chose. that, I yeah, that. that is something to be really proud of. And that's something to learn from. So anyone listening who heard uh-huh. her story, you can make it happen. You just have to stay in the game and you just have to keep working and be smart about it. So exactly. Thanks, Maggie. This was so nice. I love talking with you. Seriously, I'm so glad we got to meet finally. Thanks Yay. for having me. And hopefully <laughs> I'll get to see you on the road sometime. Oh my gosh. Soon. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And let us know when you're coming. And mm-hmm. Yes. It's going to be awesome. It's going to happen. Knocking on wood. We're all going to be out there soon. If you enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful, I would love it if you could screenshot it and share it to your Instagram stories so that I can see who is following along with me there. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Join me every single week for a brand new episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, bringing you behind the scenes of the theater industry. Until then, this is Maggie Barra signing off. It takes a village. I'll see you next week.